into the contest. It's Monday the 14th of June. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. How are you, Shane? You, you went out to Oberon, hey? How, how good was that? And I'm still here, mate, at the beautiful Mayfield Gardens in Oberon. Uh, friends of ours uh, run this property. The Winter Gardens is just opening up now. So uh, if you haven't seen it, they've spent millions and millions of dollars on these beautiful gardens up in Oberon. It's a beautiful cafe here. You get some coffee. It's, uh, it's a real beautiful place to see. Yeah, I have to come up, bring the kids. It looks brilliant. Now, you have your chance to win here on Afternoon Sport. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. And you could win for yourself the signed soccer ball from the Western Sydney Wanderers. That will happen over the next few weeks. We will pick a winner. Today on the show, we have player manager to the stars. He's the number one manager in the NRL. His name is Steve Gillis. And pro tennis player, Jaslyn Hewitt, looks at the French Open. Well, Shane, concussion has claimed another victim, Boyd Cordner. Of course, he only turned 29 the other day. Extraordinary player for New South Wales in rugby league for the Roosters, and he was Australian captain as well. But uh, it's a modern day, isn't it? It is, mate. 29 is very young to retire. I know myself, mate. I retired at 29 due to a knee injury, but um, nowhere near as serious as um, you know repeated concussions, mate. But look, he leaves the game as a very decorated player. Three premierships. Uh, he's first in 2013, then co-captain with... Jake Friend, 2014, and become the sole captain, 2015. What a super uh, performer. Captain New South Wales as well, and uh, he was the real heart and soul of the Roosters, that's for sure. The big thing to note here is that in the past, in the past, they wouldn't have retired. They would have kept playing, and that is where real, real problems began for so many players of past generations. Yep, and you're seeing guys now coming out saying they're losing their memory and, you know, early onset dementia. And, um, you know, that is that is one of the great uh, benefits of, of modern-day medicine. We can um, foresee these potential problems. But, look, he'd be sitting back now being really, really disappointed. 29 years of age, that's when you're really coming into some of your best football and, He's going to sit there and have to watch his teammates now go around the paddock. So, But well done, Boyd Cordner. You've been a fantastic uh, representative for New South Wales and for the Roosters. Yeah, absolutely. Good bloke, great player, and we wish him well in whatever comes next with him and uh, and his family. So, uh, Boyd Cordner. This is Afternoon Sport. Coming up next, all the latest on Boyd Cordner and Rugby League. Player manager to the Stars. He's the number one manager in the NRL. His name is Steve Gillis. We'll get started. We've got Steve Gillies on the line. Steve, um, let's start with Boyd Cordner. Going to announce his retirement today. Twenty-nine years of age, mate. Which is uh, he's been the heart and soul of the Roosters. So it's a it's a big loss, both personally for him, but also for the Roosters. Yeah, it's a very sad story, Shane. That um, you know, Boyd's obviously had hoped to play another three, four, five years of footy. He was captain of his country, captain of his state, winning premierships. Uh, a good fella, very popular at the club, and. Uh, and now it's all come to an end. So he'll have to process that. I'm sort of sure the club will support him in every way possible. But it's like Jake Friend to be told that uh, you know you've played your last game. It, it, it's certainly a shock to the system because there's no way of truly preparing for it. Boyd was hopeful of coming back and training and, and doing contact with the team, expecting to be back on the paddock very very soon. And now he's been told it's over. So he, he'll have a a big job processing that but as I said you'll have plenty of support around him. Yeah and 29 is very young. What, what's your experience with pl- players sort of 
I'm assuming coming to their own around 29, 30, they're probably the, some of their best years where they've got experience under the belt. Yeah, certainly, certainly our forwards. And whilst Boyd was an outstanding player, he's also an outstanding leader. And that's the thing that the Roosters are probably going to miss as much as anything, apart from his talent. He's uh, the real glue there at that club. And now that Jake Friend has gone and Boyd Cordner is gone, uh, the Roosters are going to be a little bit short in the leadership, leadership department. Well, they certainly weren't short on the weekend. Sam Walker, uh, the Roosters winning 35-34 to 34 over the tie the Sam Walker field goal. That was bloody good footy to watch. It was a thriller, Shane, an absolute thriller, mate. And uh, a couple of uh, one-point victories on the weekend. The footy's been pretty good, pretty exciting. Um, but the Roosters be happy to get away with that one. Obviously, um, you know they looked they looked uh, uh, as if they were going okay for for a while, and, and then scraped home. But they'll be taking that one, and, and it will help enormously as the uh, points are tallied towards the end of the season. Yeah, and the, well, the other one point game was the Sharks nineteen over the Penrith Panthers eighteen. Um, it just goes to show that when you lose some key players in a team like Penrith have due to state of origin, the depth isn't quite there yet, and, and the experience isn't quite there. But the Sharks, that was a great victory from them. Yeah, it's a little bit sad because uh, I think whether you're a Penrith fan or not, you're cheering for them to continue that winning run that they've uh, put together, which was fantastic, and certainly. Um, very, very interesting to see how far they could have gone, but obviously that's now well and truly gone. They've, they've copped a couple of losses, but um, Cronulla full marks to them. Penrith not easy to beat with or without their stars, so the Sharks are creeping up the ladder and must give themselves some chance of making the eight. And the, the other one, the sleeping giants, man, mate, is the bloody Eels. The Eels, 40 points over the West Tigers, 12. Moses and, and Gutherson, look, we, we are absolutely blessed with world-class fullbacks at the moment. Gutherson was so dynamic on the weekend. Yeah, they're pretty clinical, the Eels. They seem to know what they're doing when they're out there, how to get to where they want to go to, and, and then they strike. So, And their defence is fantastic. So, look, you, you'd have to give them a, a chance. I know everyone's talking about Melbourne and Penrith, but you'd certainly have to give Parramatta a, a chance of doing something this year. But once again, mate, good footy on the weekend, and uh, it's, it's really ramping up at the moment. But uh, thanks, Steve, for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate you stepping in this morning. No worries, Shane. Thanks, buddy. Take care, mate. See you, Coming up next on Afternoon Sport, all the latest from the French Open, it's Jaslyn Hewitt. Rugby, it's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app. All right, it's time to talk tennis, French Open, and Novak Djokovic. I tell you what, Tsitsipas, he had it all over him like a cheap suit, and then the legend, he's come back and won his 19th Grand Slam, Jaslyn Hewitt. He was brilliant. Yes, it was an amazing match uh, overnight, and it's it's amazing to see just what that the men's tennis in the game and the, all the shots that those guys are actually playing at the moment. It's something else. The semi-final was spectacular with Djokovic and Nadal and going into mm. four sets there, but uh, last night's match was just uh, again at another level. You thought Stefanos had it two sets love up. Um, Djokovic was relying on some support from a little kid in the uh, in the uh, crowd, <laughs> which was very cute that he actually gave gave away his winning racket to the kid at the end of the match. But I mean, I'm watching. You watch the men's, and then you're watching the women's, and it's just a 
such a different level at the moment watching that semi-finals and finals at Roland Garros it was a little bit disappointing uh, the the women's semi-finals and finals just to, just the creativeness and and the playing ability of the players well the joker this is not his preferred um, surface is it he's he's obviously prefers grass and even the hard court but his, his court coverage has been unbelievable. Some of their points, the way they're spreading the court is mm-hmm. is phenomenal. The drop shots, the angles, um, the way that Rafa the other night was actually hitting off forehands from the uh, off, off forehand singles sideline and mm-hmm. still then able to cover the other half of the court. I mean, these guys are well into their 30s now, but it's just uh, it's phenomenal tennis to watch them play. And this is when I'm watching the women's game next to it going, geez, it's, it's just disappointing. Disappointing to see, even on a clay court, though those semi-finals in the the French Open in the women's—they're not being anywhere near creative enough. And this is, I think, where we're missing your Ashbardies, your Sarkas, your Serenas, and especially Simona that, that do have that other crafty ability instead of just uh, going for that complete belt up and down the middle of the court. Well, the the winner of the of the women's draw could have been look with respect could have been working at a local restaurant and like most people who aren't close to the game wouldn't have known who she was. No, exactly. Um, so Barbora Krichikova took out uh, took out the women's singles and it was a tight three set match. Um, but I think we've just come to another level of knowing what the women can do with with the uh, top four that we've got at the moment, and that's why it was was a bit disappointing to see uh, the four names that were in the semis and finals and Pavlichenkova. But I mean, it's an outstanding result for Krechikova. She was uh, outside the top hundred going back a year ago. She's had uh, some amazing victories in the last uh, two or three weeks, and then she's she just took out the uh, doubles final as well. So she's single and doubles champion at Roland Garros for 2021. Now, we've got a absolute superstar in Dylan Alcott in the wheelchair game. He's, he won his 13th Grand Slam. Yes, yeah, so Dylan Dylan's still um, killing it over there with the in the quad wheelchair category. So um, there's only four players in his draws every time and, and it's pretty much the same four players, but it's fantastic for Dylan to to keep going and, um, yeah, keep winning, winning the Grand Slams. Uh, we've got another wheelchair player Ben Weeks who's our uh, number one wheelchair player um, so he plays in the division where you've got uh, Nori and a couple of the other Japanese guys that are absolutely phenomenal athletes so um, Dylan, uh, Ben was just able to qualify for the Paralympics so he'll be heading over to Tokyo now which is a, a great achievement for him. Uh, and Alex Demonor, Jordan Thompson? Yeah listen they had to play head to head again in Stuttgart uh, against each other this week so after Roland Garros is always another tournament that backs on uh, Demon was uh, able to beat Jordy in a tight three setter, so six four in the third. But unfortunately, uh, Demon went down in his next match in the quarterfinals um, to Jurich Rodinov. Jurich hit twelve aces in that match and and only two double faults, so serving quite bombs down. And and for Demon, that's where his style of play is not going to get those free free points off his serve, and it's always very challenging for him. But I think all the Aussies are, are excited moving into this week and and heading in to Queens. So we've got uh, four Aussies over in Queens playing, which is a, um, a fantastic tournament. It's just so prestigious and uh, uh, I was 
a quaint setup there. So we've got Alex Vukic who uh, just qualified and he'll play Denis Shapovalov, so drew the number two seed. Uh, Alexi Popperin can't seem to get a break at the moment. Uh, he's playing the informed Daniel Evans, so that's definitely going to be tough playing the Brit um, in London. Um, and, yeah, Alex is up there with John Millman as well. So it's, it is going to be a great, uh, great grass court season ahead for our Aussies. You're right. I've been to Queens. It's fantastic. It's a beautiful little setup. Um, is that um, Alex's preferred surface on grass? Uh, yeah, I'd say the grass being it quick and yep. even the a quicker hard court, definitely. He hasn't seemed to have done very well on the clay. Um, but no, definitely uh, the grass, I think we'll be expecting him. He's been working on his game moving forward. I would have said that a quick hard would have been his preferred surface. Mm-hmm. However, I think both would be um, much more suited to his game than the clay. You know what the best thing is? that the world is wobbling back into some sort of semblance of shape. Jaslyn, enjoy your day off. I know you've come on and work for us, so we appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Love talking tennis with you both. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out today to Steve Gillis and to Jaslyn Hewitt and, of course, our sponsors, Spartan Sports. Yeah, www.spartansportshq.com. And the wonderful Dan McHugh, our producer, will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.